Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Everything USC podcast on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm your host, Nara Wang, and for episode 79, ESPN and Pac-12 Network play-by-play broadcaster Roxy Bernstein joins me from Las Vegas, where he is preparing to call Pac-12 tournament games this week. Roxy, thanks for taking the time to avoid the distractions in Sin City to be my guest again on the Everything USC podcast. Nara, when I'm here this week, I'm not seeing much other than the gym and the hotel room and grabbing takeout. This is not... I could be in Fargo, North Dakota right now, and it wouldn't matter. Look, it's great. I look out my window. I can see the snow-capped mountains off in the distance. I can see T-Mobile Arena across the way. But I'm here to work, man. I Coming up, I've got seven games to call in four days. You ain't seeing me out of my room anywhere other than going to and from the arena. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, subscribe, download, and rate it. Wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and many more. Or go right to our website at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. For me, find and follow me on Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Roxy, if the fans want to catch up with you, where can they find you? Twitter's the best place, at Roxy Bernstein. All one word. Don't make it difficult. The Everything USC podcast is brought to you by Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from pro and college basketball to UFC slash MMA and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online with live betting options free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. We are recording this episode on Tuesday morning, the day before the first round of the Pac-12 men's basketball tournament starting up in Las Vegas, and two days before the Trojans will play their first game of the tourney in the quarterfinals. Before we get into how things might play out there in the desert, let's take a big picture look at how USC has gotten to where they are at this point through the end of the regular season. Finishing up at 22-9, and 14-6 in the Pac-12, good for third In the conference, it's the fourth straight season with 20-plus wins for USC, the first time that's ever been done in the men's basketball history at the school. They went 15-2 at home, a combined 7-7 in neutral and road games. And some of the top things that USC did this season held opponents' field goal percentage to just 39%, seventh best in the nation leading the conference. And they had 5.3 blocks per game, eighth in the country, also leading the Pac-12 in that category. When you look at the NCAA net rankings as of yesterday, March 6th, they were 45 overall in the country. That's the third highest mark among 
Pac-12 teams behind UCLA at four and Arizona at 11. And when you look at the quad records, they went three and six in quad one teams, seven and one quad two, seven and one in quad three, and five and one in quad four. Those three quad one wins came against Arizona State in Tempe on January 21st, January 26th against UCLA at home, and February 23rd at Boulder in Colorado. The loss in quad two was a battle for Atlanta's third place game against Wisconsin on Thanksgiving weekend. The quad three loss was at Oregon State on February 11th, and then the lone quad four loss was the season opener against Florida Gulf Coast at home. Now, Roxy, you've called a few of the Trojans' games over the last month. Is this the resume of a team solidly in the big dance, and is it capable of going on a postseason run? For me, there's no doubt that USC should be in. But then I'm also a believer that Arizona State should be in, and a lot of people have ASU on the outside looking in right now. But a team that seems to be playing their best basketball here toward the end of the year, certainly the back for Drew Peterson is a concern, which has limited him. And then Vincent Iwuchuku's status for the Pac-12 tournament, I think, is also a cause for concern. But Boogie Ellis is playing at an unbelievable level right now. He is... He's the epitome of a senior that kind of sees the light at the end of the tunnel and knows what he's got to do to keep his career going. And I know he's got the option to come back to USC next year, and maybe he does. Who knows? But I think this is a team that's starting to hit their stride at the right time in the season, and they've something's really clicked with this group. Yeah, you talked about Boogie Ellis. 18 points a game this season, leading the team second in the Pac-12. But over the last six games, 25.8 points a game, including 33 against Stanford and then the career-high 35 in that loss against Arizona on the last weekend of the regular season. He led the Pac-12 with 81 made three-pointers, second in the conference with 39.1% shooting from three-point range, only behind Courtney Ramey of Arizona. You talked about Drew Peterson's back issues. He really struggled in the Last weekend of games against the Arizona schools, only getting 14 points and seven rebounds combined in those two games. And on the season, though, 14 points a game, 6.3 rebounds per to lead the team and also led the team in assists with four and a half a game. Both Boogie and Drew Peterson named today to the All-Pac-12 first team. And for Peterson, it's the second straight year he's gotten that honor. And when you look at Peterson... The fact that that bad back was limiting him, he was a guy who ranked second in minutes played per game in the Pac-12 at nearly 36 per game, and he was fourth in the conference in defensive rebounds a game at five and a half, fifth in the conference in assists. He is so important to what USC does on both ends of the floor. And a couple of other honors for USC players, Joshua Morgan named Pac-12 All-Defensive Team His 62 total blocks was second in the conference, just one behind Brandon Carlson of Utah and 23rd most in the country despite missing four USC games. And his 2.3 blocks per game was the best mark in the conference and 13th overall nationally. Kobe Johnson, kind of a do-it-all guy this year in his sophomore season for SC, led the team in steals and was second behind only Jalen Clark in that 2.2 2.2 steals per game. He also goes to the Pac-12 all-defensive team. 
his 69 total steals was second best in the conference and 15th best overall nationally. Also chipped in with 8.8 points a game, 4.8 rebounds per 2.6 assists. Trey White, named to the Pac-12 All-Freshman team today, the other starter for USC. Reese Dixon Waters, who began the season as a starter, ended up coming off the bench for most of the season, was named the Pac-12 sixth player of the year. And when you look at that group of people, Andy Enfield really seems to have shortened the rotation to basically seven players, barring any kind of foul trouble. It's the guys I've named, plus Vincent Iwachukwu. So depending on injuries, obviously, to Drew Peterson, to Iwachukwu, you might see some more guys, but is a seven-man rotation enough for the Trojans to get by? It definitely can be, because you see teams this time of the year shorten their rotations. USC is not alone in that regard. And when you get into the NCAA tournament, for example, you're playing in four-minute segments with extended breaks because of the TV timeouts. As long as you avoid foul trouble, you can get away with this. But it is the luxury that Andy has in terms of going to guys off the bench who got some experience this year with some of the injuries they had to deal with early in the year. But definitely this time of the year, the only concern is, for example, a weekend like this, where you're playing three games in three days, if you're going to win the championship, can you get away with playing seven? That's a little bit more challenging and difficult. So I I think that for a Pac-12 tournament type atmosphere where you're playing every day, and if USC were to win this, playing Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, I think you're going to have to go deeper than seven. But then when you get to next week, I think that can be reevaluated if you're Andy Enfield and the coaching staff. Who do you think is the most important player for USC if this team is going to have postseason success? Well, it is Boogie. I mean, the way he's been going right now, granted, you could say it's Drew Peterson's back because they need Drew Peterson to be Drew Peterson. And when you have two seniors like that, that carry the load for this team. It seems like everything filters through them. And Drew's, to me, Boogie's a good passer, but Drew's the guy that can set other people up, where I don't know if that's necessarily Boogie's MO. Boogie's a big-time shot maker, and we've seen it recently, this run that he has been on. Maybe it's a cop-out answer on, on my part, but maybe it is Drew, just because of how you saw them struggle against Arizona, had to really fend off Arizona State who made a late charge last Saturday night. But it's 1A and 1B when you look at USC. If Drew Peterson is not close to 100%, it could be a problem for the Trojans. And when you look at this team, we mentioned the defensive stats are pretty good for SC for the most part, but they seem to go through these stretches of just ineptitude on offense, where even when they're playing good defense, they might only have still a single-digit lead after seven, eight, nine minutes of play because they can't put the ball in the bucket other than maybe Boogie Ellis. So does this team have enough offense to really be able to consistently get leads and win games with a good defense? Yeah, I I think they do because of that defense. That defense is going to show up on a nightly basis. When you have the length that they do with Josh Morgan, the defender Kobe Johnson is, some of the other length that they have with guys that – they have the defense to be able to overcome some shortcomings on occasion offensively. You just can't have a prolonged drought. Like you're going to have spells where you might go three, four trips up and down the floor and come up empty. 
you can't do that for an extended period of time. A short period of time, you can do it. But when you have the defense that they have, especially the way they limit the opposition and the field goal percentage, they can get away with it. It certainly doesn't behoove them to do it, but they do have enough firepower offensively to overcome that. This is the Everything USC podcast on Believe. I'm Nara Wang. My guest today will be calling some of those Pac-12 tournament games you're going to be listening and watching over the next few days. It's Roxy Bernstein of ESPN and the Pac-12 Network. If you enjoy the show, subscribe, download, and rate it on all of your favorite podcast directories, or you can go directly to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. For me, I'm on Twitter, at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Roxy, where can the people find you on social media? Twitter, at Roxy Bernstein, all one word. That's the only place I really go. I know there, I have an Instagram, but I never use it. So Twitter's the best place. This is Rashawn Haylock, KTLA sports reporter and LA Sparks broadcaster. And you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on Believe. Let's take a look now at what's going to go down in Las Vegas this week. The Pac-12 men's basketball tournament. The number three seed USC Trojans getting a bye into the quarterfinals. So they will play the winner of six seed Arizona State against number 11 seed Oregon State at approximately 8.30 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday night. That game is going to be on ESPN and on the Trojans radio network, KABC 790 AM, the flagship station. It is the Second straight year that the Trojans are the number three seed. Fourth season in a row that they will be avoiding the first round. Last year, they lost in the semifinals to UCLA and the year before that. Also, a semifinal loss that was to Colorado. They last made the final in 2018 as the number two seed, but lost to the top-seeded Arizona Wildcats and then got left out of the NC2A tournament entirely in that year. The only time that SC has won the Pac-12 tournament title, came in 2009 at Staples Center in Los Angeles, now Crypto.com Arena. They were the number six seed that season on a team that featured Taj Gibson and a freshman by the name of DeMar DeRozan. And looking at the possible opponents for SC, they beat ASU twice this season and split with the Beavers. Now, when you look at this Possible matchups, Roxy. The Sun Devils are going to be playing for their NCAA tournament lives, while the Beavers gave SC a rough time in both of their matchups. So what's the likelihood that the Trojans could be upset in the quarterfinals? I think Arizona State's an all, a dangerous team. I'm assuming they're going to get by Oregon State, and the Beavers could prove me wrong. But Arizona State is a weird team in terms of they take some challenging Shots where you're kind of going, what are they doing? But they make a lot of those shots. And if they're hitting those shots, it could be trouble. Now, USC will have some confidence because they've beaten Arizona State both times this year. Getting them on a neutral floor and depending on the status of Drew Peterson, I think will play into this matchup. But I think because of the size that USC has and the length, they could pose problems. Although I think for me, this is the best defensive team Bobby Hurley has had at Arizona State. When he's got on the perimeter guys like the Cambridge brothers, DJ Horn, they can really defend. So it certainly is an interesting matchup. And I think USC is in a good position. You don't want to leave any doubt. And if you lose that game on Thursday to, let's say, Arizona State, 
Selection Sunday is going to be a nervous time for Andy Enfield and his kids watching the selection show. And you can take some of that drama out with a win. The same time you talked about the desperation that Arizona State is going to be playing with because of that win in Tucson that propelled them right toward the bubble. And they had a tough weekend in L.A., getting swept by UCLA and then USC. So they're going to be playing and leaving it out on the floor knowing what's at stake. So I'm anticipating a very intense competitive matchup Thursday night. Yeah, if it ends up being the Sun Devils and the Trojans, I think SC definitely, with the win, solidifies themselves into the tournament field. And then at that point, they're just playing for seeding based on how they do the rest of the Pac-12 tournament. Arizona State, it's a weird situation with them. They might need to get by SC and win another game, possibly, to solidify themselves in the field. So they're going to be desperate and... It's going to be interesting to see if SC will match that intensity if ASU comes out guns blazing from the very beginning of that matchup. So we'll see. And then if it's Oregon State, those two games against Oregon State were difficult for USC. They lost one of them. So I don't think it's going to be easy either way for SC. But we'll see what happens on Thursday night against whoever the Trojans end up facing up against. And let's take a look at the rest of the bracket now. On the same side as USC, number two seed Arizona will face the winner of number seven Utah against number 10 Stanford. On the other side, top seeded UCLA Bruins will get the winner of number eight Washington or number nine Colorado. And the fourth seed Oregon Ducks will face either number five Washington State or number 12 Cal. Semifinals will be on Friday night beginning at 6 p.m. Pacific, and the championship game is Saturday night at 7.30 Pacific on ESPN. So when you're looking at the bracket as a whole, how do you see this tournament breaking down? Well, it's the same top two teams that have to be the favorites that have, I think, separated themselves from everybody else in the league, UCLA and Arizona. Being a concern for UCLA is the status of Jalen Clark, who was injured Saturday night in the game against the Wildcats. Don't know what's going on with him. But that is a significant loss if they don't have him voted as the defensive player of the year in the league and one of the top defensive players in the country. But they do have Jaime Jaquez, who's playing at an unbelievable level right now. So UCLA and Arizona have to be the favorites. There's some dangerous teams, and I'd be surprised if USC doesn't make it to at least the semifinals. But when I look at this tournament, I... I you always feel this, oh, I don't know if there's going to be many upsets. There usually is one or two. Where do they come from? I think Stanford's an interesting team because Utah's really scuffling. Raleigh Wooster and Gabe Madsen have been banged up down the stretch. They just came back. They won two close games from Stanford this year, but you wonder where Utah is at because they have not played well recently. Stanford has been playing better, especially in the second half of the year. Stanford shot the best three-point percentage of anybody in the conference this year in terms of league games. They had success in this building last year, that great comeback to beat Arizona State that took Arizona to the wire in the quarterfinals last year. They've got talent. I think Stanford's a dangerous team coming out of the 10 seed, and they have a win against Arizona. On the other side of the bracket, Oregon's clearly going to be playing desperate because they know they've got to win, most likely two, to get in. And that would require a victory over UCLA to get to the championship. So I think there's still some questions injury-wise in this field. Can somebody knock off UCLA, and how much of a loss, if they do not have Jalen Clark, will that be? But they do, at the end of the day, have Tiger and Jaime. That's pretty good. 
Jaime Jaquez named the Pac-12 Conference Player of the Year today, and we'll see what the stats is for Jalen Clark. He was on the All-Pac-12 team and Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year for UCLA. So when it comes down to it, who are you picking to win and how many NCAA tournament teams are coming out of the Pac-12? I'm going to say four teams. I think that Arizona State should be in. When you've got 20 wins, win at Arizona, they beat Creighton on a neutral floor, they smashed Michigan on a neutral floor. But again, I don't look at it the way the committee does, and I might be a little biased in that regard. And Oregon's still in play. If they can get to the championship, maybe they get in. I'd give the edge to Arizona right now to win this just because I think the status of Jalen Clark is a big question mark. And if they don't have him in this tournament, I think it's going to be challenging. They're not as good without him because he's the guy that sets the tone for them defensively. So with that said, I would give the edge to Arizona just not knowing the status of Jalen Clark for this tournament. And we know that the Wildcats fans always travel well to the Pac-12 tournament back in the L.A. days and now in the Las Vegas days. There will be plenty of Arizona fans in attendance. So we'll see what can happen. And, of course, if USC can somehow make a run and pull off the upsets and win, they could be jumping up into that six-seed area instead of probably the 10-seed that they're looking at right now going into the possible NCAA tournament seedings. This is the Everything USC podcast. I'm Nara Wang. I am joined by ESPN and Pac-12 Network play-by-play man Roxy Bernstein. He's in Las Vegas getting ready to call Pac-12 tournament games this week. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can subscribe, download, and rate it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, and more, or go to our website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, find us at Believe Network and at Believe Sports. To find and follow me, I'm on Twitter at Narawang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Roxy, where do the people find you? Go to Twitter, at Roxy Bernstein. Easy to find me there. Hey, everyone. This is Chuck Arfine of NBC Sports Chicago and proud USC alum. And you're listening to the Everything USC podcast with Nara Wang on Believe. For the final segment, I want to talk a little bit about the other basketball team for USC, the women of Troy. They've already finished the Pac-12 tournament on the women's side, but their selection Sunday is also coming up this Sunday, just like the men. And so USC went 21-9 and this season, 11-7 and in the Pac-12, good for sixth place, but they lost to the 11th seed in the Pac-12 tournament in the first round, Oregon State, so they are now going to sit and wait it out for Selection Sunday, made it a little more tenuous possibly for USC. That 21 win total, the most since the 2013-14 team went 22-13 and under then-coach Cynthia Cooper-Dyke. That year, 2014, was also the last time the women of Troy went to the NCAA tournament. Their last win in the big dance, March 19th, 2006, versus South Florida in the first round, and then they lost to Duke in the second round during Mark Track's first tenure as USC's head coach. They went 15-2 at home this season, 6-7 in neutral and road games. Just like the men, they were good in blocks and opponents' field goal percentage. 5.7 blocks a game, good for fifth in the nation, second in the Pac-12 behind Stanford. Held opponents to 35.4% shooting, 11th best in 
the country and, again, second behind Stanford in the conference. And also, allowing 54.8 points a game was the best in the Pac-12 and 17th nationally. On the women's side of things, they have a net rankings. They were 32 overall. They don't break down wins with the quads like they do on the men's side. But that number 32 is just the eighth highest rank among Pac-12 teams. The one big outlier is that Oregon finished ninth in the conference, but 19th in the net rankings. The best wins for the women of Troy, that big upset on January 15th against Stanford. They beat Colorado in Boulder on January 29th. They took out Oregon on February 10th, and they swept Oregon State and Washington State in the regular season. The one really bad loss against your alma mater, Roxy Cal, that overtime game on February 19th where they honored Lindsey Gottlieb's Final Four team when she was the coach at Cal. They had three All-Pac-12 players in Rhea Marshall, Caddy Sissoko, and Destiny Littleton. Marshall, one of the leaders in the country in rebounds and blocks. She had 11.5 rebounds a game, which was eighth in the nation, and about 3.37 blocks per game, which was second best in the country. Both of those also leading the Pac-12. She was also on the Pac-12 all-defensive team. Sissoko transferring in her third school, and she led the team with 15.6 points a game. Littleton, who won a national title at South Carolina last season and came to USC, second on team in scoring at just under 14 a game, led the team in assists with 3.7 per game. And also, the other two starters, Okako Adika and Kayla Williams, were named Pac-12 All-Defensive Team Honorable Mention. And so, with so many good women's teams in the Pac-12 this season, and Washington State kind of pulling off the surprise, going from the 7th seed to winning the Pac-12 tournament and getting the automatic bid, did the women of Troy do enough to return to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2014? Oh, I think so. And Nar, as you talked about the depth of the Pac-12, this is the number one conference in the country as far as women's basketball. I don't think that Lindsay Gottlieb and the women of Troy have anything to worry about. They're going to be in. It's just a question of where they're going. I think what Lindsay has done is remarkable to see her come back from the NBA and have the success she's having immediately. And of course, the recruiting has been phenomenal and it gets better for her. And look, there's no bigger fan of Lindsay than I am. I, I just was so impressed with her as an assistant at Cal. Then she became the head coach, the job she did at UC Santa Barbara. And it's it seems to be working out in a great fit. And this is a team that has a win against Stanford. Look, you can, and they played Stanford tough both games. So you can do that. You can beat anybody. This is a team that could be a threat to go deep into the tournament. Yeah, they have a very similar profile to the men's team in which they have really good defense but can go through stretches of offense where you're just shaking your head at the inability to score. But if that defense is on point, can they surprise some people, get a win or two in the big dance as likely a 10 or 11 seed? Oh, I think they can. Just look, if you're seated there, it's going to be challenging because you're going to play most likely somebody in their own building. But defense travels. Again, you beat Stanford with the success that Taurus had, the players Cameron Brink and Haley Jones and that team. They can compete with anybody. So I'd give them a chance in any matchup to come away with a win. 
So in your opinion, neither USC basketball team should be sweating out Selection Sunday other than looking for seeds and matchups. Yeah, that's it. And it was, we know once you get in, it's about matchups. It's about who gets hot, who's on a roll. And on the men's side, there isn't that one dominant team. Like South Carolina, the women's side has been dominant with Aaliyah Boston. On the men's side, okay, we, how many times do we see number one lose this year? There isn't that one team that everybody's pointing to. There's a bunch of really good teams, and there's some depth to it. So I think we're headed toward the wildest men's tournament we've seen in a long time. It certainly could be. And other than South Carolina, which is undefeated on the women's side, we've seen a lot of trading spots beneath them as well. So it should be interesting in some of those second-round matchups, like you said, on home arenas in the first and second rounds in the women's tournament. So I think it's going to be interesting on both sides. and. Roxy, I'm going to be headed out there for Las Vegas and the men's basketball tournament this week. I hope to catch up with you out there if the schedule permits. But thank you once again for joining me on the Everything USC podcast. It's always great to catch up with you. My pleasure, Nara. Safe travels out here and look forward to it. For my guest, Roxy Bernstein, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 79 of the Everything USC podcast, presented by Bet Online on Believe, the number one content network for professionals, the place to find a sports or pop culture show for passionate fan bases across multiple platforms. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as I end every show, please remember to fight on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.